Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook and also the coordinator of the, of the training program within the ALPO. Thank you for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, also known as the Strolling Astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear in the podcast, please donate to it via Patreon. You can give as little as a dollar a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Observer's Notebook. If you'd like to join the ALPO, membership begins at only $18 a year. You can find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find the ALPO on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And also this here podcast has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode of the Observer's Notebook. And now... We're going to learn a little bit about Saturn with Julius Benton of the ALPO. Enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook podcast. Today we have a four-time visitor, Julius Benton. Welcome back, Julius. Yeah, good to be back. Yeah, why don't you give everybody just a little bit of background about yourself if they haven't heard you on the podcast before. Yeah, I'm in Savannah, Georgia. Um, I'm a retired aerospace uh, professional and um, observing equipment and interest, of course, is lunar and planetary astronomy. And the equipment I use uh, are Maxutoffs and uh, refractors up to about uh, eight inches. And um, I do most of my observing with catadopters, mostly Maxutoffs because they're so portable and uh, not a challenge to carry around a lot because of the long tube. Yeah, I just picked up a uh, a uh, Explore Scientific six inch. That's I'm really liking. It's a lot easier to carry than a big refractor. Yeah, and uh, collimation seems to be okay. They don't uh, they don't get jarred too easily unless you drop it. But um, holds collimation just fine. That's good. Yeah, so does mine. Yeah. Okay, you are in charge of our Saturn section in the ALPO. So why don't you just give us a brief overview of what is the Saturn section? All right, the Saturn section, of course, is uh, open to anyone who is interested in uh, observing Saturn, obviously. And um, we have uh, a focus on uh, doing long-term visual work al along with uh, digital imaging. And that, of course, uh, gives us opportunity to collect a whole host of observations. And 
you know, we uh, requested observers send the observations in, uh, whether they're drawings or uh, images, as quick as they can so that we can assess any atmospheric phenomena or changes that are occurring on Saturn so I can alert, I can alert other observers. And um, it's, it's typical uh, observational data that we need, uh, backup information, including location of the observer, time, UT, date, and so forth, and um, type of equipment used, and uh, just the basic uh, rudimentary information. Now, what type of uh, observing equipment would you suggest to make uh, uh, observations that are useful to the ALPO? Okay, we don't set an inflexible minimum because we have a lot of observers that are observing with uh, four-inch refractors. Um, they're somewhat limited in the detail they can go into with that, but um, we've had a lot of successful observations with those using smaller scopes. Uh, minimum about two point, uh, 10.2 centimeters, four inches, and for a Newtonian or catadioptric, we recommend starting off at about six inches or 15.2 centimeters. Okay, now how many uh, active observers do you guys currently have? Right now, we've got about 82. Oh, wow. As of, as of 2018, uh, the apparition just closed, and 82 observers, and, you know, well over um, 400 observations. Now, wh where are the, most of those people located? In the U.S.? Uh, about a third are in the U.S., and the rest huh. are uh, all over uh, the world. We have observers in South Africa. Uh, Germany, um, Japan, uh, Australia. So it, it's a pretty widespread global uh, observing group. And are most of the observations receive uh, visual or are they images? They're mostly images. Uh, okay. We have a few observers. Uh, we have one observer in Arizona who does some nice drawings. Uh, one observer in the UK uh, who does some excellent drawings of Saturn as well. And uh, Records detail with a fairly large telescope. I think he's using a, about an eight-inch uh, 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 SCT. But uh, we, we accept all observations. I mean, some reports that we get are basically uh, just descriptive reports, but we really prefer drawings and also images. Okay. Now, you said you just finished a report on last year's Saturn observations. What did you see that was different or interesting? All right. From uh, the uh, 2018... Uh, apparition, which just uh, finished up not long ago. Uh, <clears throat> we had all sorts of observations that came in about, um, give you an example, uh, some of the white spots that were imaged in the uh, far north far north of Saturn's uh, northern hemisphere um, at Saturnographic latitude, uh, um, 65 degrees. Also, white spots that have been noticed in the uh, equatorial band at uh, Saturnographic latitude 5.0. And these are all measurements made from uh, our images. Uh, white spots have been fairly prevalent throughout the north-north-north uh, temperate zone. Um, uh, really, it's a carryover from uh, last year. Uh, and so this has been uh, continuing over the last year, year and a half, and we've tracked those, uh, those spots for quite a while. And that's evolved into the uh, current apparition. Now, are the white spots basically uh, weather patterns on Saturn's in Saturn's atmosphere? Yeah, they're produced when uh, ammonia uh, surges up from deep in the atmosphere and spreads out over the belts and zones. Um, most of the uh, white spots are limited to zones right now, except maybe one or two in the equatorial belt. Um, but it's the northern hemisphere that's fairly active. Um, nothing as large as the uh, white storm that occurred back in 2010. 
but these are very subtle. Uh, most visual observers are not able to see them, although they can see a fair brightening in the, uh, the northern hemisphere. Um, the equatorial zone is uh, a little bit brighter than it has been the last couple of years. And so what we encourage observers to do is submit uh, uh, visual numerical relative intensity estimates, which gives us some idea of the uh, various brightnesses of the uh, belts and zones. And so we can track any variations that occur. For our newer listeners, belts are basically the darker lines around the planet and the zones are the lighter lines, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, we so call the dark belts the warm zones and the uh, the white uh, zones the uh, the cooler zones because that's upwelling. It's it's like a it's like a convective uh, uh, motion in the atmosphere of Saturn. Oh, okay. So, anything else about last year's observations you'd like to share before we get on to this year? Well, it's basically that we have um, we we finished up uh, back in September of. Uh, 15th, 2017, when the Cassini mission came to an end, when it uh, mm-hmm. uh, crashed into Saturn. But um, we are continuing Pro-Am uh, observations right now, even though the Cassini missions is over. And I'll get into that a little bit. But um, for 2019, 20 uh, apparition, um, it's, uh, it's ongoing. We've already received quite a few observations. And I'm quite pleased with the response that we've had. Now, opposition is July 10th, I believe. Let me be sure before I speak, but um, <laughs> basically opposition is July 9th. Okay. And uh, the, the last uh, conjunction was on January the 2nd, 2019. And then the next conjunction, which will close this particular apparition out, is on January 13th, 2020. Okay. And just for our newer listeners, opposition is basically as the sun sets, Saturn is rising. Yes. And conjunction is when the sun and, and the planet are lined up together so you can't see it. Yeah, it's not favorable for observing at those times because right. of the glare of the sun. And, and of course, uh, you wouldn't want to try to observe that near uh, 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 the time that Saturn's. Uh, it's just not well-placed in the sky, typically. Yeah, this, this time, July, is a good time of year to start observing Saturn because it's closer to the Earth and it's also visible all night long. Well, yeah, the diameter of the globe, the equatorial diameter is going to be about 18.4 seconds. Oh. And the polar diameter is 16.9 seconds. So it's a fairly sizable disk, um, not as large as Jupiter, but certainly uh, the magnitude of Saturn is uh, uh, plus 0.1 visual magnitude. Okay. And the, al- the altitude, the declination is minus 22.1 degrees. So it's a little south, but... That's why the observers have been so successful in Australia recording observations and also in South Africa. Oh, okay. Now, what about the ring angle? I'll say again, please. The ring angle. Oh, the ring angle is at 24.3 degrees this apparition. So that's, that's pretty much wide open, isn't it? Well, it was last uh, apparition. It was okay. at 26.7 okay. degrees, which is about maximum. But, so it's not, far from, uh, it's not far from the optimum viewing angle. Okay, so that shows the quite a bit of the rings visible pointed toward the Earth. Yes. Okay, you can great. You see the north face of the rings quite easily and uh, uh, some of the basic uh, divisions, uh, like Cassini's division, and then mm-hmm. the gaps, like uh, uh, Keeler's gap and Inke's gap. Uh, but it's difficult to see those uh, visually, but uh, especially the, fi- the finer gaps like uh, Inke and also uh, Keeler. But... We've had a lot of observations that have come in, though, uh, 
the images are starting to show a lot more detail as we move forward. I said the last group of images I got was just yesterday. Oh, and what are they showing? Well, they're also showing uh, the north-north-north uh, temperate zone spots have elongated across the uh, Saturnographic latitude, 65.0. And so they're basically sped all the way across the disk. And a multitude of small spots in the north polar zone, uh, or north polar region, NPR. Uh, and that's at about 75 degrees Saturnographic latitude. And so they've started emerging more and more of this apparition. So is that what you think the uh, observers should start focusing on or looking at that areas? Yeah, especially uh, they should notice that the equatorial zone is somewhat brighter than usual because there are a couple of white uh, spots in the equatorial zone. They're relatively small, but they're still uh, can still elevate the brightness. And then uh, the uh, intensity estimates uh, basically are telling us more and more about how much brighter the uh, easy end or the northern northern half of the uh, equatorial zone uh is is uh considerably different than it had been last year okay now, the spots in some cases all right yeah now the observations you're receiving uh i imagine most of them are images you know ccd images taken through telescopes and are there different ways of images you know, wavelengths of light and that things like that that you would like to receive yeah rgb red green blue uh that's the uh combined uh Color images. Uh, there are observers that are sending in uh, different wavelengths observations from the standpoint of uh, images uh, in IR, uh, some in the methane band, um, as well as uh, just monochrome images. And, and those are picking up uh, most of these spots we've talked about. And the nice thing about it is good to compare observations at one wavelength compared to the others. And the advantage with Saturn, it rotates fairly quick, not as not as rapidly as Jupiter, but you can get a good view of the planet's disk in one evenings of observations. Yep, exactly. I mean, the equatorial region of Saturn, you know, rotates uh, in 10 hours. Uh, the actual rotation rate, rate is 10 hours, 14 minutes. That's system one, and that's around the equatorial region. And the system two is northward of that, uh, rotates in 10 hours, 38 minutes. The radio rate is close to like 10 hours, 39 minutes. Oh, okay. Now, for the visual images, now, back in the old days, when, when I started using a telescope to look at the planets, I used color filters. Are those still yes. in use? Are people yes, still using? they're still useful, very much so. A uh, uh, good repertoire of filters is a good thing to have. Blue, uh, green filters, orange filters. Uh, Magenta filters work out well to bring out um, detail. And another thing that is really helpful are variable density polarizers. That's more helpful with Venus, but on Saturn, it does help bring out detail visually. Okay, yeah. It's amazing to me looking, especially through my refractor, I put color filters on and the detail just pops. You know, yeah, and most of the time, observers with refractors are using a fringe filter to mm -hmm. filter out the secondary spectrum. Yep. But that's certainly recommended. I do that all the time. And I'm using binocular viewers on my telescopes because you get uh, a little bit better uh, sort of a 3D effect when you're looking through the oh. eyepiece. It really works great. Yeah, okay. That's twice the eyepiece, huh? <laughs> yep. Another event this apparition so far was quite interesting. Uh, we have an observer, Clyde Foster, down in South Africa, who sent us a very nice photograph or image of the uh, lunar occultation of Saturn on March 29th. 
No, I, th- I think I saw that somewhere on the internet. Yes. And we'll be showing images of that at the uh, gathering this year in July. Okay. Yeah. The ALPO convention in Georgia. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm unfortunately, I'm not gonna be able to make it this year. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, you can dial in. <laughs> oh, that's true. I can't, can't I? Yeah. Oh, sounds like a plan. Um, so what else do you have to offer about uh, Saturn observe observations this year? Or you wanted to mention something about Cassini too? Well, the Cassini mission ended, it started back in 2004 when uh, uh, the, the professional astronomers started soliciting observations and images from, uh, from amateur astronomers. And that, that's continuing right now, even though the actual mission came to an end back in 2017, September the 15th. And all those uh, images uh, that were submitted by amateur astronomers was basically uh, to alert the Cassini team uh, where to uh, uh, address camera angles uh, or, or at least focus uh, the monitoring of Saturn at close range um, with the uh, Cassini cameras. But although it's over with, uh, the Pro-Am opportunities are still continuing, and we submit observations and share those with the professional community. So we are like a partner in their in their program? Yes, they are still soliciting observations. They have basically. They told me just uh, a few weeks ago that don't stop sending in images because we want to continue to track activity on Saturn. Because a lot of the activity on Saturn uh, that they were seeing with Cassini uh, had been reported and documented by visual by uh, observers in the all over the world uh, using uh, imaging. Now you you've been the Saturn recorder for a number of years. What what is the biggest change you've seen over the years in your observations that you've received? Well, the big thing is, is more and more people are imaging now. We don't discourage visual observations uh, because it helps train the eye, train the eye to see uh, discrete detail. But uh, we certainly welcome visual observations as opposed to imaging. But imaging has been the big thing now that uh, has rivaled a lot of the old uh, film photography uh, back years ago. So that's happening more and more these days. And more observers are using uh, images at different wavelengths. Now, what about changes? Not even avail- you know, you can't do that with certain, you can't see uh, IR and visual. True. Yeah. Now, what about changes on the planet itself over the years? Well, it goes back to uh, the 2010 apparition when uh, the uh, great white spot was noticed. And that was really uh, quite an event because uh, it, it was kind of unprecedented. They weren't expecting that uh, situation to occur. I mean, in late February 2011, the storm had widened to like 15,000 kilometers and circled the entire globe uh, by the end of that uh, that month in 2011. And so, uh, and that spot was at 35 degrees north and 40 degrees north uh, in the uh, north tropical zone on Saturn. Remnants of that have been reported, uh, the previous apparition, because those those, uh, features still linger around for a while, but right now we're not seeing that kind of activity in that region very much. Still on the alert though, we want to make observers don't, uh, don't give up this, this, uh, the observing efforts, uh, both visually and imaging to make sure we can keep, keep track of new outbursts that might occur. And we really don't know what causes things like that, do we? Well, what happens is, is, well, uh, when, when there's a, uh, outburst, uh, White spots generally arise as columns of material break through the hazy upper ammonia ice cloud layer and spread out. And that north tropical zone storm illustrates just how shifting seasons um, 
uh, can occur and cause uh, quite a bit of change in the, uh, the activity. Last, uh, last apparition, Saturn was having its summer solstice. So uh, that would stir up more heat and therefore more activity. So, and we're still, it's waning out some now, but still, Saturn is tilted significantly enough so the insulation is uh, strong enough to hopefully uh, uh, bring about some additional changes. So much, like, so much like the, dis- the Earth, its distance from the sun and angle affects our weather, the same thing happens for Saturn. Yeah, not to the same, ex- not to the same extent because the strength, the, uh, strength of insulation at Saturn's distance is, is not nearly as great as that on Earth, but Saturn does have seasons. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Now, just to pop back to visual observing for a minute, you have observing forms in the ALPL section, right? Yes. And each of those, you have, you have them for the different tilt angle of the, of the rings? Yes, they are available on the website. And, of course, if observers need them and would like me to send them a copy, I can send them a PDF, and they can print it out and use those with making the drawings. And, and that's the proper angle of the rings. Right now we're using the, uh, the uh, plus 24 uh, ring tilt uh, blanks. Okay, and those are free to download on the Internet. So I will put a link for those in the show notes, too, where people can just click on that and go right to the forms. Yes, it's uh, it, it's a very useful thing when you're trying to draw the rings, but if you try to do it freehand, it's very difficult. Yeah, I, I have tried. Yeah, thank you for putting the lines on the drawing. I appreciate yeah. it. Those lines I can stay within. Now, where are the observations published? They are published in the journal, the ALPO. Uh, it's also a, di- in a, a digital version as well as the uh, as well as the uh, printed version. Now, some of our observations have been submitted to the BAA as well because we have a good cooperative effort with those guys, mm-hmm. and um, they certainly welcome a sharing of observations. They do the same with us, and so it's a good uh, it's a good cooperative effort between um, both parties. Now, other sections I've talked to, like the lunar section, they have a separate publication for observations and things. Does the Saturn section have anything like that? No, we do not. Uh, we uh, are anticipating coming up with a monograph at some point. Okay. But uh, basically, we've been trying to focus on having all the observational data available in the journal in terms of apparition reports. And, uh, of course, uh, every quarter we have an update of activity on Saturn that uh, we, we publish. Okay. Now, you've written a book on observing Saturn, haven't you? Yes. Now, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yes, Saturn and How to Observe It. It's available on Amazon. Uh, it's uh, it's, pretty, it's done in 19, uh, 2005, but it's still an observational uh, book guiding how to observe and, you know, that sort of thing. We're look, looking on a, a, uh, on a revised edition that's going to be coming out hopefully late this year. Just got to work with the publisher on their tight schedules. Oh, that'd be a lot great. Of updates in that. Okay, please let me know when you have that out there. I will, I will publicize that. Okay, I sure will. Great. Now, do you have anything else you have to share with our listeners? I don't think so. We certainly welcome anyone, um, regardless of, uh, you know, interest to uh, join us. Uh, we'll be glad to help observers uh, work through the uh, observing techniques and procedures. And, um, of course, we encourage them to participate in our training program, which gives them a good background on all types of observing. But we're always willing to help and always uh, have open doors to anyone who wants to participate. Great. Now, you're also in charge of our Venus section, correct? Yes. And what's going on with Venus right now? Well, Venus is uh, not very well placed right now because uh, it was a western morning apparition. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's too close to the sun now to do, do too much. But 
We've got quite a few observations, though, uh, from Venus. Good images. Uh, some are taken at UV, some in IR, and uh, nothing that stands out right now, but uh, we'll continue to analyze the observations. Not all of them have been have, uh, poured in right now, but uh, we're seeking that observers be sure to send their observations in as soon as they can so we can compare notes. That sounds good. So how can everyone get a hold of you if they have questions on Saturn or Venus? Well, uh, you can publish my email address, um, okay. and that's the J-L-B-A-I-N-A at M-S-N dot com. Um, and I'll certainly acknowledge observations, which I typically do. And um, you can also, people can also go on the website and go to the Saturn page where we have updates as well. Great. Well, Julius, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, it's been enjoyable. All right. Thank you. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again want to thank Julius Petten to coming on today to talk to us about the Saturn section. Get out there with your telescopes and take a look at Saturn. And while you're doing it, make some drawings or images and send them in. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. And you can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can get up to to $35 a month, where you'll receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Seedentop, for his generous support of The Observer's Notebook. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at at observers and bpod. Until next time, my hope is that you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>